good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. is good here and I'm willing to feel it and hear it and be it and yes. Now this month we are exploring spiritual healing and I know what that means to me metaphysically but of course I was curious what I would find on the internet. Because, as you know, when it comes to spiritual matters, especially the wide world web can provide a lot of interesting perspectives and sometimes leaves me laughing. Now, in spirit, spiritual healing in my world means that you go within, meditate, become more and more attuned to higher vibrations. And as we do this, the challenges, both emo emotional, material, and physical, can start to drop away. And that's my own saying. Charles Fillmore and almost all of the founding teachers taught that spiritual healing is a process of turning away from what they called error thinking. Error thinking is what we now call negative thinking. And we'll go back and look at that in a moment. But the most, <laughs> the most entertaining <laughs> definition that I found was this. Spiritual healing is a form of alternative medicine in which spirits, normally of the dead, assist in curing the afflicted. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that is not what we teach here. <laughs> I'm not saying it's impossible, but that's not, that's not what we're talking about. And I never think of spiritual healing as alternative medicine. It's something we do in conjunction with all the other things that we do. But I wanted today to look at the self-compassion aspect of spiritual healing because while we all do need to take responsibility for what's going on in our lives, we also really need to maintain a healthy perspective about that responsibility. It's ironic that this beautiful teaching can often be misinterpreted and misunderstood. And an example of this is when a person who's striving to be their very best to practice our principles. And when they encounter certain circumstances, whether they're financial, emotional, physical, they blame themselves for being a failure at their spiritual practice. You know, and one reason for this is a lot of the language that the older New Thought teachers used. And of course, part of that's just the way they talked, and also they were really trying to make a point. But this is Charles, Charles Fillmore's definition of disease. Disease, an inharmonious condition in mind and body brought about by error thinking, 
ignorance causes all disease, organic disease has its origin in mind as truly as any other manifestation. It has become subconscious and needs the power of the Christ mind to reach and to dissolve the error thoughts that are causing this disease. Now, in our times, some of this language sounds a little bit harsh, doesn't it? Ignorance causes all disease. Whoa, okay. Error thoughts cause disease. And then they sound harsh, and then we start to feel inadequate. And what I think Charles Fillmore is really saying is that, yes, our thoughts do create our experiences, and so if we think a certain way, we will get a certain result. But the thing is, is we don't know everything, and we often don't know what we don't know. And so on that level, we can say that we are ignorant, but not in this negative way. You know, ignorant can really come across as, right? Yeah, okay. So, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just simply a fact. We don't know everything, and we don't know what we don't know. So it's not a flaw. It's just a fact of how we are. But as we expand our consciousness and we become aware of more possibilities, we start to move away from that negative thinking, error thinking, and step into a more positive vibration that affects every aspect of our lives. Now, please keep in mind as I do this talk is that we are in human bodies and stuff is going to happen. We can't avoid stuff happening. Teeth may develop cavities. A cold virus might just stop by for a visit. You could trip on a curb and break an arm. You might get fired from a job. A relationship could end. And none of that compromises your spirituality. It does, however, give you a lot of information. So when things get off track, it is a call to step back, observe your mental, emotional, spiritual landscape. We say our thoughts create our reality. This is true. Fillmore emphasizes that most of this thought process is subconscious. This is also true and vitally important to realize. Our mission, so to speak, is to become more aware of our subconscious thought stream. But, of course, where do you start? We don't always know where to start. Now, one of the ways to get a glimpse of that of what we're thinking is to look at what's manifesting in your life and then discover the energy behind that. Now, fortunately, the early teachers offer us a system of sorts, and it's called correspondences. And correspondences help us see the connection between our thoughts and our circumstances. Now, before I go any further, this is not unique to new thought. It's just that, you know, we have our own teachers who have written their own stuff about it. But the Eastern uh, teachers, I mean, this is all over the place. But we only have like a few minutes. I'm not going to keep you here for four hours going over everything. So there are many, many books that you can refer to just inside the new thought. And they all either refer to this system or some of them are dedicated. One of them, and you're probably, many of you are probably familiar with Louise, Louise Hayes' 1984 book, You Can Heal Your Life. How many people have? Absolutely. <laughs> and it's probably the most well-known and popular book where you can look up what it means if you have a headache or an earache or a brain ache or whatever kind of ache you have. You look up the malady and find an explanation or correlation of why this is manifesting. 
But this isn't new with Louise Hay. I have four other books in my library that either deal with this in, in part or, or in whole. And there is a fifth book that was written before any of these, which of course would be impossible to replace, and I loaned it out. So I don't have it anymore. <laughs> But the first one is the 1938 Science of Mind textbook. There's a section on what he calls causes. The 1948 Coordination of Spirit, Soul, and Body by H.B. Jeffrey. And I love, and that, that book is all about correspondences. If this is happening, then this is probably what's going on in your head. And I love the order in which he puts this, spirit, soul, and body. I think that was beautiful. Christian Healing by Charles Fillmore. Now, Uni doesn't always put a uh, publication date, but obviously this has to come from probably the early 1900s. And then there's this beautiful little book, which I'm afraid is probably out of publication. It's called Healing Now by a Reverend Mary Catherine McDougall. And I met her in 1984 at an International New Thought Alliance conference. She was the most delightful, loving, beautiful soul. And... Um, I just, I love the way that she approaches everything. And her book discusses not only physical issues, but she has chapters on healing habits, healing relationships, healing memories, fa healing failure, healing finances. And then she also uh, deals with, you know, physical maladies as well. Now back, I don't know why, I don't, maybe it's because I don't know why, but there's this really big deal in the metaphysical teachings about the common cold. <laughs> There's even a very small pamphlet dedicated to the metaphysical meaning of the common cold. But this is what Reverend um, uh, uh, Mary Catherine said. She said, colds indicate, indicate confusion, agitation, disturbance, a feeling of loss, shock, or emotional disturbances. And she says that the virus becomes active because we are agitated and not taking care of ourselves, not respecting our bodies. So the remedy is to stop, become calm, discover what's agitating you, and find a way to change your reaction to circumstances into a well-thought-out response. Now, I used to get colds fairly frequently. And then I came across that little booklet, and it was dedicated solely to the spiritual healing of the common cold. It proclaimed that if you have an upset, and back then they did a lot of proclaiming, that you have an upset, you would very likely come down with a cold within five days. So I started paying attention to that. Now, I was a whole lot younger. I was in my late 20s when I came across this. And for me, this five-day thing was pretty accurate. So I started finding ways not to get so upset. As you might suspect, I was a little bit reactive back in those days. And then I found ways to, then I discovered, I actually discovered that if I found ways to wind down after an upset, I wasn't storing the energy. And so now, not only am I calmer, I hardly ever get a cold. But other stuff happens, so I'm not perfect or anything like that, but the cold thing I've kind of got handled. So in the chapters on habits or memories, you might find a reference to how these might manifest in the body because, of course, everything is connected. But notice, please, and this is really important, there is no shame, there is no blame in, any, in this example or any of the other examples. It only points out the possible cause of a situation. 
And while the assumption is that you will take responsibility to move forward and make some changes, there's never, ever an accusation that you are a failure at living. And you can see that this system can help us discover our unconscious inner motivations. And that can in turn help us to heal more quickly or lessen the effects, or in my case, not develop certain conditions. And the more we understand ourselves, the better we can take care of ourselves and the healthier and happier we will be. But there's a caveat to this. It's one thing to check in with a book or listen to someone discuss the causes of dis-ease. And remember, dis-ease, it's a hyphenated word, it's dis-ease, you're not at ease. It's another to turn on yourself for manifesting a condition. I cannot tell you how many conversations I have had with people over the years after reading a correspondence's book who have come to me in tears because they felt accused and wrong. We live in a material world, in a material body. Stuff is going to happen. It just is. We can be careful and mindful, and still life is going to come along. And our thinking is never going to be perfect. The subconscious is always going to be running in the background and giving us little Easter eggs to explore. So the question then becomes, how do we activate our spiritual healing in our lives? The first thing to do is simply accept that conditions can and will arise. Now, accepting the possibility is not the same as focusing on it and saying, this is going to happen. That's not what it means. It means when it comes along, it's like, okay. And it's very important to not resist. One of the first things I learned in Unity back in the, well, it was a different century, actually, was not to fight a cold. And you hear people say all the time, I'm fighting a cold. Well, goody, then you get to keep it longer. <laughs> when you resist, what are you doing? You're putting all your focus on it, right? If you're resisting, you have to keep looking on it because the only way you can resist it is if it's in your consciousness. So if you say, okay, I've got a cold. And you know, when I started doing that, it would come and then I would accept, all right, here I am, and then I would do my meditation and visualization. And they didn't necessarily magically go away, but I didn't feel as bad as long. And so when a condition arises, we just say, okay, here we are, now what? Well, then go in and check in with one of those books or someone who understands correspondences, but then Oh, please, be careful not to get stuck in possible admonishing language or get stuck in what it says in the book because just because this book says it, the interpretation for you might be different because your life might be different. It's a guide. But once you get an idea of the correlation between your emotions and the material manifestation, look up from that information and take action. If you get so focused on the cause, you will continue to manifest it because your, your, your focus is on the cause, not the solution. And it is the change in consciousness that we want to nurture. I love the way Ernest Holmes puts it. He says, it is not a question of failing or succeeding. 
It is simply a question of sticking to an idea until it becomes a tangible reality. How gentle is that? Just sticking to the idea. Where our focus is, there our life is. Where should our focus be? Well, if you read any spiritual book, you're going to come across the word perfection. <laughs> right. And we're told that we can reach spiritual perfection and be healed. But then life tells us that nothing is perfect. And I'm not sure about you, but that really sounds like a mixed message. <laughs> and so I have been thinking about this a lot for quite a while because that's what I do is think about stuff about how to get unmixed. Now, Emma Curtis Hopkins and everyone after her say that we are perfect in spirit. And of course, when we stick to that, and if we stick to that idea long enough, healing will manifest. And honestly, I have had some pretty amazing healing experiences in my life, both in my own body and with working with other people. But I, I don't think I ever was working with the perfection idea. I did it by not thinking and just giving it over. But sometimes we do need to be more focused than that. And so another idea has come into my awareness, some different thinking that I've done, and just trying to work out how do I get around this perfection idea, because especially now that we live in a culture that has such a perfection thing going, I mean, it, it's just very hard to get past, I'm striving for perfection, I'll never be perfect, so Kind of, what's the point? So I thought, okay, in reading, doing this other reading, it's like, what if we think in terms of patterns? There is an etheric pattern for our mental, emotional, and physical bodies. And that per pattern is perfect. It is perfect for you. Now, you know, we all come in with different bodies, with different um, advantages and what we might call limitations, you know, but the pattern for you is perfect out there. What if we strive to get back to that pattern? Now, what happens? Everybody knows, anybody, any of you who's ever done a project from a pattern or a schematic, you know what can happen in that process. We're not even going to talk about IKEA here, OK? <laughs> Following a pattern works up to a point. <laughs> And then stuff happens. It's like, I'm an excellent seamstress. If you want a beautiful zipper or perfect inset sleeves, I'm your gal. But if you want that garment to actually fit, go find Paula Mandela. It ain't going to work. <laughs> My ability to mess up a pattern is really pretty much unrivaled. And yeah, I just surrendered a long time ago. I don't sew anymore. It was too frustrating. But what if, instead of striving for perfection in health, emotions, body, and spirituality, we focus on our personal pattern? Because if you think about it, there's this pattern, and imagine it sort of floating in water, and then you put your finger in the water, and then the pattern starts to be a little bit disarranged. So we, what we want to do is bring that pattern back into alignment. Because we each have a way of being in this world, and that pattern is always active. And we distrust it through our experiences, our negative thinking, and of course that negative um, subconscious interference. What if correspondences are nothing more than directions for the pattern? Only they tell you what will happen if you harbor this or that feeling. 
or more specifically, where it will happen, the eyes, the lungs, the heart. This is important information. And I am really grateful to all the teachers who finally said, look, there really is a user's manual for this body. And after all, after all this, have compassion and mercy for yourself, for your patterns. Decide to discover ways to shift your thinking. You know, some of the books I've mentioned do come across as harsh and accusatory. And while I tell myself they're just really trying to make their point, I have handed out enough Kleenex to people that I have been a little bit impatient with that kind of teaching. Take it as information, that's all it is. And your circumstance could be different from what that person is saying in the book. Any condition or circumstance is a symptom. It's information. The information is neutral. There's no blame. There's no shame. And each of us here is human. And we're here to learn to be the best humans that we can be. We're not here to transcend being human. We're here to get it. We're here to get it right. And that means becoming more and more aware of our inner workings, of our motivations. Stuff is going to happen. How we deal with it is more important than anything. And if we beat ourselves up for having an accident, a cold, a divorce, struggling with finances, our focus is on the symptom. So we can use the information we have to discover the underlying cause and then refer back to our original pattern and engage our personal healing power to restore that pattern. Spiritual healing is the practice of attuning your self, your mind and emotions to the higher vibration of the one source. It can and will change you if you focus on your goal long enough. But when it isn't working as fast or as well as you want, give yourself a break. Some causes are more persistent than others. And when a circumstance does come along, Try not to go into resistance or beat yourself up for it because it just came about. You know, there's this idea that spiritual teachers are never supposed to get sick and everything about them is supposed to be perfect. And, of course, Ernest Holmes was a very big deal and he, you know, it's like what could happen to him. And there's a, a line in one of the biographies about him where he wasn't feeling well, and someone was sort of questioning about that. I don't think that they were being harsh with him, but they were trying to understand, hey, you're this great teacher. What's happening? <laughs> and he said the most wonderful thing, and it, it, I've read this book many years ago, and this has stayed in my heart forever. He says, it's okay. He said, sometimes we just forget. What a loving, amazing, compassionate thing to say. Because we do forget. We forget who we are. And when we do, we can forgive ourselves because we are just as likely in the next second remember who we really are. We are divine patterns of the universe. That's who we are. Each one of you is a divine pattern in the universe, and you can restore that pattern whenever you want. And that is the grace of life. 
on this earth. And so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Oh